You spoke of people being rich and very, very rich. It seems to me there's a difference between being rich and being wealthy. I assume you consider yourself to be both. Which is the more important to you? Well, I, I think we may ask you to define, I don't want to sound like President Clinton here too much, but we may ask you, if you'd really define the rich and wealthy so that I get the distinction, then I, I, I think we can give you a better answer on it. Um, well, in my mind, being rich is having an awful lot of money. Mm -hmm. Being very, very rich is having even more. And being wealthy doesn't necessarily equate to having a lot of money. But what does it equate to then? I, I just want to... <laughs> I, 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 I think I know what you mean, but I, I, I still want you to clear it up before I give you an answer on it. <laughs> well, this, of course, is my opinion. I mean, you can be wealthy in health, for example, and I, I agree with you that certainly there'd be nothing you'd value more than good health for you, you know, yourself and your family. But I, you go ahead. Well, I, I believe you're starting to get it. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> have patience. <laughs> no, I, uh, there's no question about it. I mean, being the money makes very little difference after a, a moderate level. I, I tell this to college students that I talk to. I mean, they are basically living about the same life I'm living. You know, we eat the same foods. I mean, uh, I, that I can guarantee you. And and. You know, there's there's no important difference in our dress. There's no important difference at all in, 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 in the car we drive. There's no difference in the television set that we sit there and, you know, watch the Super Bowl on or anything of the sort. There's really no difference in, you know, they're, they've got air conditioning in summer and I got air conditioning. They got heat in winter and almost everything. Uh, so any importance in daily life, we equate on. The one thing I do is I travel a lot better than they do, you know, net jets. Uh, so... The, the travel is travel. I do a lot easier than they do. Everything else in their lives, it just you know I, I'll switch places anytime. It doesn't make any difference. Uh, so the then you get down to the things of of of, of health and 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 who loves you. I mean that that's if you have a minimum level of. I mean you want to have enough so that uh, you eat three times a day and and that you sleep in reasonably comfortable surroundings and so on. But uh, everybody in this room has that, and yet some of the people, by the definition that you've given, are obviously much more wealthy than others, and it's not measured by their net worth, if, if you define it that way. And I, I don't disagree with that definition. I wouldn't, I might not use the term wealth in describing it, but I'd certainly, describe, you know, maybe call it well-being or something of the sort. Charlie? Sure, there are a lot of things in life way more important than wealth. All that said, some people do get confused. Uh, I play golf with a man, he says, what good is health? You can't buy money with it. Did I ever tell you about Charlie's twin brother that he golfs a lot? <laughs> no, I'll take health any time, incidentally. Yeah. So will I. No, the important thing, even in your work, I mean, is, is to an extreme extent, it seems to me, is, is who you do it with. I mean, it. Uh, you can have... If you're going to spend eight hours a day working, the most important thing isn't how much money you make. It's, it's how you feel during those eight hours in terms of the people you're interacting with and how interesting what you're doing is and all of that. Well, you know, I consider myself incredibly lucky in that respect. I can't think of anything I'd rather do, and I can't think of any group of people I'd rather do it with. And if you ask me to trade away a very significant percentage of my net worth, either for some extra years on, or being able to do during those years what I want to do, you know, I'd do it in a second.
All right. We are back for another great episode of Black Equity Podcast. You just heard Warren Buffett uh, being asked about levels of wealth and what it does it all mean between being rich and being wealthy. And I thought that would be a very great way to open up uh, the conversation today. Um, for those, this, this is your first time here. Uh, welcome uh, to Black Equity Podcast. Our uh, mission is to analyze uh, information that is put out into the world and see how it impacts Black equity. I call it Black equity uh, because it impacts African-Americans, Black people around the world. And how does that uh, ultimately uh, close this wealth gap and allow us to have wealth for our people. So welcome. If you are a longtime listener, thank you for returning. Uh, thank you, everyone, for being here today. So Warren Buffett goes through this very uh, great question. They did a really great job on this video. For those listening in on uh, another platform, if you want to watch the video, we are right now on Spotify. So you can head over to Spotify and watch the full episode over there. So the video does a really great job breaking down not only what the answer is, but the question was great as well. You can always tell a lot about someone by the questions they ask. I don't know who the, the, the lady was, but that is a great quote. Let's start with that. You can tell a lot by the, the questions someone asks. I want to see whose quote that is. That was a really great uh, question. Let's see if we can find that quote. But as we do that, the conversation I want to talk about today is the background of wealth. And it's going to hopefully it will make sense. I tell you all the time that here are 36 wise souls who agree there's wisdom in asking questions. It is not the answer that enlightens, but the question. Question everything, learn something, answer nothing. Oh, okay. Wow. Answer nothing. Oh, okay. The key to wisdom is this constant and frequent questioning for by doubting, we are led to question by questioning. We arrive at the truth. Peter Abelard. The, uh, by the way, if you're not watching this on Spotify, I'm just going through a list of quotes that, that talk about questions. Next one. The big question is whether you are going to be able to say a hearty yes to your adventure. The only true wisdom is in knowing that you know nothing. A wise man can learn from a foolish question. Then a fool can learn from a wise answer. Mm. There's some good stuff in here. A question that sometimes drives me hazy. Am I or are the others crazy? Okay. Oh, a prudent question is one half of wisdom. Some good quotes. It wasn't the exact quote I was looking for, but you get the point, right? The greatest gift is not being afraid to question. He must be very ignorant for he answers every question he is asked. Woo. Wow. Yeah, this is deep. So I want to look at the background of wealth. And I may ask some questions today. 
and you can decide if these questions are prudent, if they are of value, or maybe they're not of, of, of value to you, right? So we just watched a Warren Buffett video. He talks about wealth, the rich, and wealth and well-being and you know, even ends it at, you know, it's all about who you're working with. There's a lot of really great nuggets in there. And over the weekend, uh, and, and just for context, in case someone listening to this <clears throat> 20 years from now, oh, by the way, I always have to put my disclaimer. I have my coffee. And so if you hear me sipping, that's what it is. There's no major editing on this show. And so if I sip and you hear it, it's because I sipped and you heard it. It's not, I'm not going to be editing out anything. If you hear something in the background, whatever it may be, it's pretty much stays in the episode. It is going to be what it is. All right. So over the weekend, I was really thinking about this idea because a lot of things were flying at me. Oh, for context, this weekend was Father's Day and Juneteenth. And, uh, of course, other things as well. But I just want some context in case somebody's listening to this 20 years from now of what was going on, right? So, and that those two things have nothing to do specifically with this, but maybe they do. Maybe they do. Uh, so I was looking over the weekend, information was coming at me, and usually on Friday nights is when the news dumps come out. I call them, it's not just me, but they're known as the Friday night news dumps where information comes out that people don't want you, how do we put this? They, they want you to know about it. Like you have to know about it, but they try to wait till Friday night to release the information. So then people are busy with their families, holidays, uh, f- uh, Father's Days and uh, Juneteenth's Friday night news dumps. Let's look up the definition of that. This is on a political dictionary. Releasing bad news or documents on a Friday afternoon in an attempt to avoid media scrutiny is often called a Friday night news dump by members of the media. Often, the White House sets the release of bad news and unflattering documents to late Friday afternoon. The Pentagon and other agencies also use the practice, a legacy of early administrations. So, yeah, I learned about this. The television show The West Wing had an episode on the technique called Take Out the Trash Day. I don't know if I learned it from there. I did watch The West Wing. I I did enjoy The West Wing as a show. I don't remember if that was where I learned it from. But I remember growing up and learning about the Friday night news dumps. And I said, oh, shoot. And so I would only really pay attention to Friday, Friday nights. Everything else was really. Basically, I found that Monday through Thursday is people trying to sell you stuff. Sell you an idea, sell your product, sell you a service is basically commerce Monday through Thursday. And even Friday morning. Right. And then Friday night is like real news. The real hard hitting stuff comes out Friday night. And it's like, wait, what just happened on Friday? And then everybody's too busy eating out, going to the movies, whatever. They're off in their own dream world, which 
makes sense. You know, enjoy your dream. They're off in their dream world on Friday nights. And they wake up on Saturday. They didn't forget all about what came out what came out on Friday. Most people. Not I. <laughs> I look forward to Friday night news dumps. I save them. And then now on this season, I'm specifically using Friday night news dumps to build a podcast around. I'll just be honest with you. Most of the podcast episodes this season, and really most seasons, I have gathered from Friday night news dumps. The people put stuff out on Fridays, and lately they've been doing it on Saturdays. They'll put it out over the weekend, and then they just hope nobody picks it up. But here I am picking them up. And that's how I feel there's really a lot of value in it. You got to look at what happens on Fridays. What people put out on Fridays is how they try to hide the game. Pay attention to Friday night news dumps. So I'm sitting there on a Friday and some information comes out and we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But the information that came out had me thinking about a concept. That's how my mind works for those who don't know. When something comes out, it then takes my mind back to other things. Like, oh, well, that reminds me of this. And then I connect that to this. Next thing you know, you got a podcast. But before I was ever podcasting, that's just how my mind works. I'm not doing it because I'm podcasting and I'm trying to build a podcast. No, my mind works like this. And now you have a podcast from it. Does that make sense? I think a lot of people think, oh, he's always thinking about building a podcast. No, I'm just always connecting dots. And there's this thing now called podcast. And so all I do is just take those dots and record it. But I've always been doing this. I've been doing this since like 13 years old. I would see this. I would see that. I would see, ooh, I would put it all together. I said, ooh, if we put that and boom, that's your story. And then usually instead of it being a podcast, It'd be conversations when you're going back to school, you know, in middle school, high school, whatever, and you're having conversations at lunch. That's how, that's where the conversation would come from. Or if you're hanging out with your friends, that's where the conversation would come from. It would come from connecting all these dots. Like, ooh, 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 boom, bada bang, right? And so now the podcast audience is part of my, my friends. Most of them, I know some people listening, <laughs> you'd be surprised. The people who don't like you, who listen to your podcast, it just, I'll be completely honest with you. I don't know how I'll be stumbling on these topics. If I don't really rock with you, I can't sit there and listen to your podcast. I'll still find out stuff. Clips may still come to me or whatever it is. But I just believe whoever has your ear has your heart. I'm not sure if that's a scripture, though. I've been looking for that scripture. Whoever has your ear has your heart. I'm not sure if that's scripture-based. But I do believe that whoever has your ear has your heart. Whoever has your ear has... See, some people put destiny. Maybe that's what it was. Has your heart. 
he who has ears, let him hear. Huh. Yeah, I don't know if it's scripture-based, so you can do it whatever you want. But I do know people do use that destiny one. Maybe that's the one I remixed. Whoever has your ear has your destiny. Don't let negativity and others' interpretation stop your dream. Dare to dream big. Cindy Trim. Hmm. So, yeah, I believe whoever has your ear has your heart. And if they have your heart, then I can see where they would have your destiny. And so for most things, I don't listen to it if I don't want to go in that direction. That said, sometimes I have to put my thinking cap on and listen to things I don't necessarily agree with, but I do it in moderation. And I do it knowing that I'm analyzing it for a specific reason and I'm there to question. And that's why a lot of people don't want me in the room. Because I'm not going with you until I know what the clarity, I need clarity. Anyway, over the weekend, information comes out that has a lot to do with what this podcast is all about, which typically it happens every week. You'd be surprised how much information comes out about the racial wealth gap. (laughs) It's, It's... for a, a thing that doesn't get a lot of, you know, attention or whatever, there's a lot of information weekly, daily on the racial wealth gap. But maybe that's only because I'm looking, maybe. So some information comes out over the weekend about the racial wealth gap, and I'm blown away. And it made me start thinking about this. It made me start thinking about, you ever watch a movie and you'll be sitting there watching a movie and you start realizing that the movie is only good because the background actors make it good? Like if you have a movie and they're in a school and the camera's you know, right up on two people, let's say a man and a woman or a boy and a girl, and they're sitting there talking and it's so intense. But the only thing that really gives that scene true credibility for your mind to wrap around it is the 50 kids walking and going by the lunchroom, all those background actors transforms your mind into thinking, oh, these two kids or two people they're talking at a school, right? So your mind is saying they're at a school or wherever it may be because of the background actors walking by, the teachers, the students, the cafeteria person, the janitor, they just all are walking behind or in the background of that scene. Do you know what I mean? Like most scenes have background actors, what they call extras. Let's look that up. What is an extra in a movie? Extra in a movie. An extra, more commonly referred to as a background actor, is someone who performs in a production in a non-speaking role, usually in the background. Background actors help make scenes look and feel more authentic. Oh boy, here we go. And so here they got a picture for those who are watching. Let's see if this picture pulls up. Oh, these are some of the pictures I posted on Twitter the other day. Perfect. 
it just had me thinking. I wish I could make this picture a little bit. Here it is. So here you have Kevin Hart and The Rock. And this is from Jumanji. I prefer the, the, the original Jumanji. But, okay. The original Jumanji is a better movie. But the graphics from it don't look as real as they used to when we were kids. And so I see why it was time to update it because some of the, the animals and the lions and the, the, the stuff that came out of the, the, the game, they don't look as real as they used to when Robin Williams did it. Uh, rest in peace to Robin Williams. So here's a picture of Jumanji. You got Kevin Hart and then you got all these background um, actors that give the scene credibility that shows you they're in some type of a market or something. See, see what I'm saying for those watching on Spotify? And then you got this professor. I'm, I'm, I'm going through some of the pictures of background. You got this professor. You can't tell this is really a professor unless there's students there confirming that, hell, that guy's teaching students. Does that make sense? The big part of this scene right here is the room itself. The room filled up with what appears to be college students helps give our eye to the teacher or professor and say, oh, that's a professor. Without saying a word, the background actors matter, but they don't get speaking roles. Here's the next one, America Horror Story. So you have these two uh, young adults, I believe, having a conversation, and then you have background actors that gives it some sort of credibility. I think there's like a lake back there. So I, I don't know exactly what the scene was from. Here's another one. There's some type of a protest. Oh, Ghostbusters. And they just saved the day or about to save something. And there's people in the background rooting them on. So you wouldn't know that they saved the day unless the background actors pretended through acting that they saved the day. Does that make sense? The background actors give it the extra feel to it. And I thought about this when this information came out. And hopefully this will make sense. And I say this all the time. If you are not looking for understanding, you will not catch anything I'm saying. So it got me thinking about well, we need to analyze before we go into where I'm trying to take us. Let's look at the top 10 worst movie extras or background actors. Okay, we're going to take this piece by piece and then hopefully it will make sense towards the end. For those who have been here listening, you know how I roll. I have to give a foundation before I build. I'm not building on something that doesn't have a great foundation to it. So that's why I start these podcasts this way. We got we to gotta set the foundation and then we can present the building. You're not doing it right. Welcome to WatchMojo.com. And today we'll be counting down our picks for the top 10 worst movie extras. Before we begin, we publish new videos every day. So be sure to subscribe for more great content. So uh, make sure you subscribe to WatchMojo.com. They usually do really great top 10s. You know, I don't believe in tops, but... 
Uh, they usually do really great work. We're going to go through these top 10 because I think there's something we can learn from each one. And then we're going to go through what I found or what, not even what I found, what came to me over the weekend. I don't be looking for this stuff. For this list, we're looking at film extras who stole the show for one unintentional moment. In all honesty, these scenes should have probably been reshot. But thankfully for us, they weren't. No good stuff. You can't get involved in this. Number 10, the lazy. All right, so we're going to do this each one and have a conversation really quickly on each one. Okay, so there's this show or a movie called The Lazy Student. Let's see what the background actors do here and let's discuss. Dude, 10 things I hate about you. Oh, let's just say. Oh, the, the, the movie is called The 10 Things I Hate About You. They just had The Lazy Student up there as the what they're calling the the background actor. Taking care of it. Starring Julia Stiles, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Heath Ledger, this romantic comedy takes William Shakespeare's Taming of the Shrew and adds a solid dose of teenage angst. The scene in question involves the soccer coach, a wayward arrow, and probably the laziest student ever. After the archery team accidentally uses Mr. Chapin as a target, a teenage girl is told to run back to the school and call 911. The extra jogs for a few steps before stopping for a breather, probably assuming that she was out of the camera's sight. Clearly, she was wrong. So we have a background actor in this particular movie who's supposed to be going to go get somebody, go get help for the coach. As an actor, she runs off. So in our eyes, we're supposed to see her run off and that's supposed to let us know, oh, there's somebody that she's going to go get. Even if there is nobody out there, the fact that she runs tells us, oh, there's something, there's something, there's something going on in the background. So as long as she pretends to run, our minds will say, oh, she's going to go get somebody, and then we'll go back to the main characters. It just so happened that the scene followed her along, and she didn't go get anybody, which we knew, technically, if we understood acting and were watching a movie, we knew that there was nobody there, but we want to be fooled. Some people do. The a movie's job is almost to fool you in a way. Give you a sense of believability to something that we know is not believable. But yet we love movies, right? Let's, go, let's keep going. Number nine, The Helpless Henchman, The Dark Knight Rises. Bruce Wayne is an expert martial artist who dresses up as a bat and spends most nights beating the hell out of henchmen. Suffice it to say, Batman can be rather intimidating, the Dark Knight Rises sees the Caged Crusader going up against the powerful Bane, who brings an army of goons to Gotham and stages an uprising. Sadly, not all henchmen are born equal, and this one particular dude collapses from Batman and Catwoman's mere presence. Why fight when you know you're gonna lose? Personally, we think this particular goon is the smartest of the bunch. You gotta be kidding me. Number. So that particular actor was supposed to be going up against Catwoman and Batman, and was supposed to come in and fight. Instead of fighting, he just fell. As a background actor, he knew he was going to fall. And so he probably did it a little too early. He was going to get hit, fall, and that was it. But he didn't, he just, he just fell. But when you're watching the movie, you're expecting everybody to fall because Batman is there. <laughs> the background actors are supposed to add believability. Next. Eight, the Rolling Extra, Die Hard 2, Die Harder. 
Apparently, pretending to be running scared isn't as easy as most extras make it look. Who's to say how someone should react to the sound of gunfire? Perhaps falling to the floor, with very little prompting, we might add, and slowly barrel rolling is the way to go. Die Hard 2 relocates John McClane from a skyscraper to the Dulles International Airport, before forcing him to, once again, prevent a terrible disaster. This unintentionally hilarious scene happens after Bruce Willis engages in some gunplay with two of Stuart's goonies, sending the extras into a panicked frenzy. Also, rolling seems to be contagious, as another extra soon follows the lead of our accidental scene stealer. That stupid, arrogant son of a bitch. Numbers. Another one. There's there's a breakout. People are running, and people are doing things that just don't make sense. They just fall all over themselves. They're background actors. They want to create suspense. They want to really bring the scene into focus. But remember, they don't get any lines. Their job is to add believability. So then we actually look at Bruce Willis in a bigger light. Oh, everybody's running this way and Bruce Willis is running that way. What a hero. Right? That's what background actors do. Background actors they bring that believability. I know you're following me here. I know you're taking notes. We're going to get there. Seven, the happy-go-lucky swimmer, Jaws. You're going to need a bigger boat. Unless you're watching them attack from the safety of your living room, it's really best to avoid up-close and personal encounters with sharks. <laughs> Jaws turned Steven Spielberg into Hollywood's hottest commodity and served as a precursor to future classics like Raiders of the Lost Ark and Jurassic Park. By today's standards, the shark might look silly, but the special effects were great for the time and scared off a few people from going to the beach. Still, not everyone was traumatized by Jaws, as demonstrated by this extra, who seems absolutely delighted to be involved in a shark attack. Number six, the frozen children. Background actor comes in, and instead of being scared of the shark, he's smiling at it because it's not real. There is no shark. <laughs> There was never anything there. But if people if people will act like something, they'll get the rest of the people to do it. Do you do you follow? If enough people run this way, then people will look at it and say, I guess I should run too. Let's keep going. Everything must go. Oh, no, I actually went out to LA to study acting. While Will Ferrell is primarily known for his goofball comedies, he has proven himself to be a capable dramatic actor. Everything Must Go follows Nick, a down-on-his-luck alcoholic who needs to sell his personal belongings after sabotaging his job and marriage. Desperate for a pick-me-up, he visits Delilah, an old high school friend, leading to a rather odd moment. As the two adults talk, the movie cuts back to her playing children, who are completely frozen in place. It is never referenced by the other characters, so maybe Delilah just learned to never question their behavior? We doubt it. So we just make it work. Right, Missy? Number five. I'm one of those people that when I'm watching a movie, I'll catch certain things. I'm not saying I caught these in the in the, the, the moment. But there's other movies where I'm watching, I'm like, wait, what just happened? I was supposed to believe that? I, you know, and then I'll just say, oh, never mind. It's a movie. That's what we tell us. So, oh, you know, just TV. Just a movie. We'll just accept it. We'll accept the non-believability because, hey, it's a movie. So we look at it as a production. We'll look at the next one. The Exposed Extra, Teen Wolf. (laughs) 
In the 1980s, a decade with which Michael J. Fox was synonymous, this campy fantasy comedy saw the beloved actor turn into a werewolf. Hey, it was the 80s after all, meaning that no premise was too odd for film. While the hairy version of Marty McFly is quite entertaining, the actor's natural charisma is sadly overshadowed during the climax. After scoring the winning shot in the basketball game, a packed gymnasium celebrates as Scott, our hero, kisses the girl. One student got a bit too excited, however, and cheers with his fly wide open. Dude, trying to cover yourself up just brings more attention to it. How the production team missed this, <laughs> we'll never know. Number four, The Sweeping Man, Quantum of Solace. See the girl that just walked in here? Did you give her that? Tell her to call me. That is not how a broom works. After Casino Royale brought James Bond back into the public's good graces, Quantum of Solace helped to taper off people's expectations for the future of the franchise. The writer's strike forced Daniel Craig and Mark Foster to perform rewrites and fill in the blanks of a rather bare-bones script, resulting in an understandably uneven final product. The story is not the only part of the film that failed to make the grade, though, as James Bond is temporarily eclipsed by a man trying his best to look busy and utterly failing at it. James, move your ass. Get down, get down! Number three, the pre- Background actors are supposed to make the scene believable. And many times, not many, sometimes they don't. Cognitive Kid, North by Northwest. Just a second, you. Stay away from me. How did Hitchcock fail to notice this? For a brief second, the master of suspense was outwitted by a young boy with the useful skill of precognition. North by Northwest is an entertaining thriller starring Cary Grant as your average Joe who is mistakenly assumed to be a secret agent. After barely surviving a stroll through a cornfield, the exhilarating third act takes the action to Mount Rushmore, resulting in Grant's character getting shot by Eva Marie Saint's Eve Kendall. <laughs> Sadly, this tense moment is undercut by a young boy in the background, who covers his ears a few seconds before the gunshot. Number two, Doc Brown's son, back to the- The boy is covering his ears, preparing for the gunshot that supposedly we didn't know was coming, because the background actors are supposed to make it believable, but the kid was already bracing for it, which then would show you that it wasn't believable. But it's a movie! I'm just showing you what happens when we give certain things details. We're almost done. Future Part 3. Meet the family! Back to the Future Part 3 brought Marty McFly and Doc Brown's story to a satisfying conclusion with one final adventure, this time to the Old West. Christopher Lloyd ends up finding love in the most unlikely of places, as he marries a schoolteacher back in the year 1885. The film ends with the couple showing off their two children, although their youngest son seems to have other things on his mind. From Daniel Evans' uncomfortable expression, come here hand gesture, and suggestive point, it seems like the actress Flux Capacitor has sprung a leak. Alright boys, buckle up! Number 1, The Tall Stormtrooper, Star Wars Episode 4, A New Hope. Take over. A sign of a great film is when even the accidents are worth keeping. A New Hope introduced Star Wars to the world, and the franchise continues to go strong today. Stormtroopers serve as the Empire's disposable army, and they are rarely allowed to show any personality in the original trilogy. Their one humanizing moment comes during a hilarious scene when a particularly tall Stormtrooper bangs his head on the doorway. Intentionally left in or not, this goof proved memorable enough to warrant a callback in Attack of the Clones. Do you agree with our picks? Check out the- Alright, so that's what they say is their 10 worst movie extras.
That's what they, Mojo, has put out there. Shout out to Mojo.com. We'll put the link in the uh, show notes, and hopefully we can get you even more subscribers. You already have 24.5 million. Well, let's get you some more. Thank you, Mojo. So what, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> we started off the episode talking about Warren Buffett and his different levels of wealth that he's talking about. It's all about who you work with. You, it should be enjoyable. I'm going to add some things to it. Not only who you work with should be enjoyable, but it should also be believable. Also, you shouldn't work with people where you feel like a background actor. If you're only there to make the other people look believable, I'll leave that there. If you are only there to make other people look believable, then what does that say about the main actors? It means that they're acting. Do you understand what I'm saying? There are some people that will invite you to things. So then you make them look more believable. Do you pick up what I'm putting down? So with that being said, it brings me to something that came out over the weekend. Something that we're going to have to discuss. This is Washington, D.C. Look at these maps. You're probably saying, oh, they basically look the same because D.C. is like a diamond. On the left, that's showing household income. The lighter the colors, the more people make. So the lighter colors on the top left, that's northwest D.C. That's where the Brookings Institution is. That's where I go to work at. On the bottom right, that's southeast D.C. If you look at the map on the right, that's by racial composition. The darker the colors are where black people live, the lighter colors are where white people live. You can basically take those maps and put them on top of each other. And what you'll see is that race and class are intricately linked with one another. And then we can go back 100 years and we see that hardly nothing has changed. This is a map from the early 1900s. Hardly nothing has changed. And that's because racial segregation is a fundamental problem and a root cause of how racism and classism operate in society. This is Washington, D.C. If you look at the... Thank you for the young brother who put this video together. We'll put his name and everything in the show notes. We posted this on Black Equity Network uh, page a few months ago. It came through social media world and we shared, reshared it not knowing what that actually was going to have any relevance to. Go and play it one more time. Maps, you're probably saying, oh, they basically look the same because D.C. is like a diamond. On the left, that's showing household income. The lighter the colors, the more people make. So the lighter colors on the top left, that's northwest D.C. That's where the Brookings Institution is. That's where I go to work at. On the bottom right, that's southeast D.C., if you look at the map on the right, that's by racial composition. The darker the colors are where black people live, the lighter colors are where white people live. You can basically take those maps and put them on top of each other. And what you'll see is that race and class are intricately linked with one another. And then 
we can go back 100 years and we see that hardly nothing has changed. This is a map from the early 1900s. Hardly nothing has changed. And that's because racial segregation is a fundamental problem and a root cause of how racism and classism operate in society. This is so what does that have to do with background actors? What does that got to do with Warren Buffett? What does that have to do with anything? Well, over the weekend, now that we've laid the foundation, over the weekend, I came across a report. And we're going to get to the report in one second. Matter of fact, I have to show the report a little bit. I, I came across a report. Is this it? Here we go. From the Washington Examiner. Well, the report isn't from Washington, Washington Examiner. There's an article on the Washington Examiner that came to my desk. And it said, D.C. has the worst economic equality by race in America. And then it had the word study. And I said, ooh, a study? Now, those who have been paying attention, we just recently went through the California reparations report. You know, I love me a great report and a great study, especially if it has all the work done for me. And especially, especially if it could be a third party source where people can see that I'm just analyzing the game. I didn't put these facts and figures together. This is a third party source. Well, here we go again. Another study. And I told you on that last episode or the episode where we did that. That was just one state. I said, California reparations report. This is just one state. We have another state. Well, I'm not sure if <laughs> I'm not sure if DC is a state or not. Excuse me. I'm not sure if DC is considered a state. I, I always go back and forth with is DC a state? Is it not a state? Is it's a district? I don't know. It's a territory. I don't know. I've I've heard so many different things. But either way, we have another place in America where we're about to get some a study. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. When I saw the study, I said, ooh, I'm not going to go over it until the podcast. Well, guess where I am now. We're going to go over the study together. Not going to take too much of your time. I know you have a busy, a busy week ahead of you. I know some people listen to parts of this on, on Mondays, and then they'll listen to the second half on another day. You know, they'll eat some of this podcast up all week because it's a lot. I get it. But who would I be if I did not give you a lot to, to consume and to think over for a week? And then you can take this information and do, do what you want. There's some people who listen to this and they go make their own podcasts about stuff. There's some people who listen to this and then they go do their own studies. There's some people who listen to this and they just want to know. So there's a lot of different reasons why people listen to this podcast. I, I said in a tweet a couple weeks ago, people don't, people don't listen to our podcast looking for a social proof. They look at it for research findings we are a foundational place where people can go and get 
really great information. That's what that's what we are. But I'll let other people tell you about it. Okay. DC has the worst economic equality by race. So I looked at the article, I saw that there was a study. I said, ooh, we got to get into that on the podcast. I wanted to save it so that I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to walk into the study and already or walk into the podcast and already know what it says. I have no, I've probably looked at 1% of the study. And we're going to look at it today. But then something happened over the weekend. There was a gentleman by the name of Anthony Nelson. And his at on Twitter is the property kid. Now, mind you, on Friday night, let me me look, let me make sure I'm not. June 18th, 5 a.m. So this is what, Saturday? Today's the 20th. Okay. So Saturday morning, this report or this article comes out. What day did the report come out? The report came out June 14th. So actually, no. The report came out over last Tuesday, but I didn't see an article about it until Saturday. Okay. The report came out last Tuesday, but I did not know about it until Saturday. Just so we get context here. This gentleman said, Anthony Nelson, the black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing. Anthony Nelson, his at is the property kid. I took a screenshot of this and you'll see why. The black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing. And that was so interesting to me that he tweeted this a day after I saw this headline. I saw the headline, DC has the worst economic equality by race. And I knew more than likely that was what's going to be on the podcast. Unless some other story came out between Friday and uh, Monday, I couldn't think of anything more important than have this conversation. DC has the worst economic equality by race in America. Study. Once I saw that, I said, that has to be on the podcast. Economic equality, DC. I have no choice but to have this on the podcast. Sunday comes around and Anthony Nelson, I do not know this gentleman, but somehow he made his way onto my timeline. And he said that the black wealth indeed is such a beautiful thing. At the same time, At the same time, there's an article floating around that says DC has the worst economic equality. Now, I guess two things could be true. It it is possible. It is possible that the black wealth in DC is a beautiful thing. That is a possible, possible. You can have that and have the worst economic equality. So that's fair. But if that is true, if you can have both, right? If you can have both, then how come after I posted this, Anthony Nelson blocked me? We had no exchange. He did not say anything. I did not say anything other than the headline. 
And Mr. Anthony Nelson, I had to take a screenshot for my phone because you can, if somebody blocks you on your phone, you can actually still see it. But on my laptop, it won't even let me click on his name to, to show that he's blocked me. Anthony Nelson, the property kid, I think he's a real estate investor. I actually found him on LinkedIn and followed him on LinkedIn. I'm not going to show his LinkedIn information. I would love to have a conversation with Anthony Nelson, the property kid. Who blocked me? Because what did I do? What did I do to deserve a block? He said, the black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing. I then posted with a quote retweet, DC has the worst economic equality by race in America. And it showed the name of the person and the time that this was put out. I didn't pull something from 10 years ago. This is... He posted it on the 19th. I posted something from the 18th. And he blocked me. And again, this is what had me thinking about background actors. Follow me here. I know my mind be going places. I know it do. This gentleman, Anthony Nelson, the property kid, wants the world to know that the black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing. That's what he wants the people to know. The black wealth in D.C. That's where we got to look. That's where we got to go. That's the main actor. And I'm saying, I know about the worst background actors of all time. The ones who mess up and, and make the movie like, wait, what just happened? He just fell over? What, what, what kind of background actor is that, right? He's telling you the main character in DC is the black wealth in DC. That's what he wants you to say, see. I do not know this gentleman. I hope we have a conversation. He can come on the podcast. I think he's a real estate investor. Let's talk. He's saying that black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing. And I'm, I'm not saying it's not. If you are wealthy and you're black and you're in D.C., it's beautiful. Beautiful. It's, 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 it's a, probably the best picture ever. You're in D.C. and it's, it's, it's an amazing attraction to be in D.C. and have wealth. Oh, it has to be amazing to be wealthy, black, in D.C. It has to be. But that said, D.C. has the worst economic equality by race in America. And when I say that, you know what people in D.C. tell me? To shut up. Why is there a wealth gap? Because the main characters don't want you to see the background actors. If you ever watched the movie Titanic, I put this on Twitter, so those who've been following my Twitter know this already. If you ever watched Titanic, the main character is what? Rose and I can't remember. The, you know the people. Leonardo DiCaprio and the other lady. You know, right? 
Titanic has two main characters and they're on the boat and they're swinging and they fall in love and they dancing and oh they fell in love it's it's the best it's a beautiful thing just like a property kid said it's such a beautiful oh, the Titanic oh, right and then the Titanic sinks and you know who dies on the Titanic the background actors right of course, the main character ends up dying too. One of the main characters. But mainly the background actors die. But guess who in reality are the real people? Like if we're talking about depicting reality, there was no Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio character, whatever his name was. From my understanding, that's a fictional story based around a real-life Titanic sinking and falling and people dying. So the background actors are actually the real thing that gives credibility to this fictional story. Follow me here. I know, I know, I know my mind. There There are main characters who want you to believe that this is the reality. While the background actors drown. But the main characters are fictional. When we look at history, there was no Rose. There was no Leonardo Leonardo DiCaprio. They don't exist. The people who existed were in the background dying. Anthony Nelson, the property kid, who blocked me for putting this, for those watching on Spotify. He said the black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing. And I said in my mind, well, I just saw a report and I know I'm gonna talk about it. So let me put a quote tweet. Let me put the thinking face. Like, what am I missing? Cause I'm, I'm gonna be analyzing this. I thought maybe Anthony Nelson would come on to the Twitter and say, well, yeah, but, you know, although we have the worst economic equality, we still have some of the wealthiest Black people. Well, cool, didn't balance. But no, no, no. Anthony Nelson didn't do that. Anthony Nelson said, the Black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing. He showed me Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio. You know how they were leaning over the, the ship and everything was so wonderful. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. He decided to show me that. And I said, well, what about the background actors who were about to die when the ship breaks? What about that part? And, he, and you know what his response to the people that are going to die on the Titanic? You know what his response was? This. He decided to block me. This is what I mean. This is why there's a racial wealth gap. Because we ignore the background actors because for many people, oh, Holy Spirit's walking in. Holy Spirit. For many people, the poor people are the background actors to the wealth. It actually makes the wealth feel more real. Oh, let's sip on our champagne and Let's, you know, sit on our ivory tower and look down on the people in the city. 
our wealth is only because of their, their inabilities. This is what I believe is happening. This is a microcosm of the real problem. While the black wealth is beautiful and they, they, they eat their shrimp and their lobsters, I don't know what they do in D.C. Shout out to D.C. Shout out to the blessings. Shout out to wealthy black people everywhere. Warren Buffett is saying, well, there's different well, ways of looking at wealth, well-being, health. So I don't know what he means by the black wealth of D.C. Does he just mean the well-being or is it about money? Who knows? Because he blocked me. This happens a lot to me, by the way. I just post one thing that's accurate and I get blocked. It, it, it happens at least once a week. He said the black wealth in D.C. was a beautiful thing and I said, well, what about this report? Black. And I'm telling you, my, my, my mind immediately went to, oh, he wants the background actors to stay background actors. He don't want the background actors to become in the forefront. Wealth for many people is I have something you don't. And if you hold up a report about a California reparations bill, if you hold up a study about black wealth or lack thereof, they will turn the other way and pretend not to see it so then they can keep their narrative that the black wealth in DC is a beautiful thing. And I'm not saying it's not. But not only, this would be one thing if, (laughs) it would be one thing if, if, if someone said, hey, the black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing. And then I just came in there and said, well, what about that one homeless guy over there? Then they would say, Derek, you're such a troll. Come on, the one homeless guy. I can see that. Like, I mean, that's excessive. No, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't one homeless. This is a study out of 50 states or whatever you want to call it, D.C. And D.C. has the worst economic equality. I'm not pulling, I'm not grasping at straws here. The black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing, he says. So let's go into it. Boy, I tell you. And shout out to Washington Examiner for posting this article that DC has the worst economic equality by race uh, by Julia Johnson, trending news editor on June 18th which then took us to uh, this website, Wallet Hub. This is where the study actually is. Once you read that first article, it gives you a link to this website, okay? Racial inequity, equal, I'm sorry, inequality, has been brought into the spotlight in recent years. The spotlight. Not the background, the spotlight. But people like Anthony Nelson, the, the property dude, the investor guy, they don't want this story in the forefront. They want this to stay in the background. 
They just, they want to be Bruce Willis. They want the black wealth in DC to be the Bruce Willis of the diehard. They want to be, they want to hang out in front of the Titanic. They don't want you to know that the Titanic is about to sink. Why would they not want that? Why would they block me for telling them, well, what about this? Why else would they do it? Racial inequality has been brought into the spotlight in recent years as protests against police brutality and racism have taken place across U.S. in response to numerous high-profile cases such as the death of George Floyd. However, it's not just in policing where discrimination rears its head. A recent study found that only 3.2% of executive or senior-level positions belong to Black Americans, even though that demographic makes up 13% of the U.S. population. The overall black unemployment rate is consistently high, higher than the white unemployment rate. What's even more striking than the inequality in employment is the disparity in wealth between white and black Americans. The average white family has a net worth of 171,000 compared to 17,000 of the African average black family. As racial tensions run high in America, it's an opportune time to take a look at which states have done the most to promote financial equality. In order to determine which states have the most racial uh, equality in terms of employment and wealth, WalletHub compared the 50 states and the District of Columbia. There we go. I got my answer. D.C. is not a state. Across eight key metrics, our data compares the difference between white and black Americans in areas such as an annual income, unemployment rate, and home ownership rates. See, and we got the, got the map, and you can go to each state on the map. And if you hover over it, and I put the link in the, you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put the link in the show notes. And you can look at the study for yourself and decide for yourself. All I ask is you don't block me. If I put, if I put the link in the show notes, promise not to block me. What am I doing wrong? What did I do? You said the black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing. And I said, well, what about this? What about the people dying on the Titanic? Oh, we're not going to look at that. We're not going to see that. We're only going to focus on Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio. How dare you mention, how dare you mention us being the worst? Why would you block me? This should have been an opportunity for us to sit down and say, okay, the black wealth in D.C. is such a wonderful thing. Would you like to share how you got that wealth so then we can help others? You know what most of them people in D.C. tell me? No. Mm-mm. I say, is there anything you can offer? Is there anything? Nope. Nope. And, they, and they, they tell me no. Every person I meet from D.C., they tell me no 95% of the time. And it ain't just one person. I've met about 10, 15 people from D.C., and they typically come off as if they are well off, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with black wealth in D.C. Get it. But then how come when I sit down and say, well, would you like to provide any information on that? No. Well, well damn it. Well, I'm so confused because now at the time I didn't know this. But over the last 10 to 15 years, I've always said to myself, well, what is going on in D.C.? Everybody else is like open to like sharing information. 
but it's like in, in places like DC, uh, parts of Maryland, New York, as soon as you try to talk to them about what would you share? Would you like to share anything? No. Mm, no, I'm not going to do that. Oh, okay. And so then now that the study comes out, I'm starting to wonder, well, what the hell is happening here? Where, where's DC at on this map, right? Maryland, West Virginia, Virginia. I wonder where it is. I mean, I know it's West, I know it has to be up in the middle of here somewhere. New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Rhode Island. I thought DC and Maryland and all that was all, it must be so small that you gotta like zoom in. Every time I talk to someone from DC, they block me. And sometimes, and sometimes it's a physical block. Where did the, the black thing go? Sometimes it's like a real block like this. And then sometimes it's more like a metaphorical block. No, we're not. No, you're not allowed to see. You're not allowed to see what's going on over in D.C. We can't see. You're not allowed to see in D.C. No. It's like, wait, what is going on in D.C.? Let's take a look. I mean, goodness gracious. And I would have never known until Washington Examiner did a report. So by the way, the top five that are doing good in racial equality, because we we also want to have a positive conversation. Alaska, New Mexico, Arizona, Hawaii, Texas. Those are your top five. I do not live in any of these states. I have no, I gain nothing from this. I do have some friends in Texas. Shout out my friends in Texas. I do have some friends in Hawaii. I, I live, I grew up out there. Hawaii makes actually makes a lot of sense, but we'll get into Hawaii in a future episode. Arizona, okay. I, I didn't see that one coming, but okay. New Mexico, Alaska. Those are your top five. Actually, you've got a friend in, friend in Alaska too. Shout out Alaska. Shout out, right? So then the next five are Washington State, Florida. I lived in Florida for a while. Shout out my friends in Florida. Shout out uh, South Dakota, Kentucky. Kentucky, I might know someone in Kentucky. Might. It depends. Colorado. Oh, that's where I was born. Shout out. Colorado. Maryland. I got my peoples in Maryland. Montana, don't know anyone. Delaware, Idaho, Virginia. We're, we're in the top 15. So there's 50 states and District of Columbia. So to be in the top half, you would have to be in the first 25. So 16, Tennessee, shout out my people in Tennessee, Rhode Island. Oh, I do got my people in Rhode Island. Yes, I do, I do know really great people. I actually had them on the podcast. Shout out Rhode Island. Oregon, I do know one person in Oregon. I'm not sure if we're really friends yet. Hopefully we will be. Oh, this is where my headquarters is, North Carolina. Oh, we made the top 20. Oh, 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 oh. We made the top 20. Massachusetts, you know, I got to work on my Massachusetts pronunciations. California, we talked about California a couple episodes ago, the, the reparations bill, but okay, still in the top 25. The, the place where we're having a reparations conversation is in the top 25 of racial equality. That shows you where we are at with, with 
Maine, Missouri, West Virginia, and to round out the top 25, New Hampshire. Everybody after this is, on, is in the second half, the bottom half of this report. With District of Columbia being dead last at 51. For those who are looking on Spotify, I just clicked at Anthony Nelson's picture where he blocked me. This is ridiculous. And this is the stuff that I have to deal with out here in these Blackwell streets. It ain't just Anthony Nelson, the property kid. It's, a, it's, the, it's, the, it's the majority of the black wealth people out here. They don't want to have a real conversation about nothing. They just want to tell you that the black wealth in D.C. is wonderful and beautiful. The black wealth in D.C. is such a beautiful thing, he said. I put D.C. He, I guess he thought <laughs> I wrote the article. I don't know what he thought. D.C. has the worst economic equality by race in America. I just, sometimes I get flabbergasted. So let's look at the bottom 10. So the worst in America is District of Columbia. Then it's Illinois. That's where Chicago is. Shout out my people in Chicago. This is actually good to know. Remember the other day? Oh, you know what? If you listen to How to Acquire podcast, I was talking about how to find great opportunities. You actually flip the chart around. This is how you find great opportunities. Find out where there's inequality and then serve the purpose here. There's inequality in these top, the bottom 10. That means there's an opportunity for us to help. District of Columbia, Illinois, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, Michigan, Louisiana, North Dakota, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, Mississippi. Those are your bottom 10, 11. Okay? Those are your bottom 10. So you can look at these, or I would just look at the bottom 25, which starts off with... uh, South Carolina. Wait, did something switch? No. I thought South Carolina and North Carolina. Where did North Carolina go? Oh, 19. Okay. There it is. So South Carolina starts off the bottom half. And I used to live out in South Carolina. Shout out to Carolinas. Georgia. For as much as everybody loves ATL and Atlanta, they're in the bottom half. So let's look at the study and see, well, how did I get here? The median annual income gap, the lowest gap, so that means a good thing, right? These are the people who have the lowest gap of annual income. Hawaii, Montana, Wyoming, New Mexico, Arizona. Highest gap is Minnesota. I believe that's the way they've done it. And rounding out the top five is District of Columbia, with Iowa, Louisiana, Wisconsin, District of Columbia. This is Washington, D.C. If you look at these maps, you're probably saying, oh, they basically look the same because D.C. is like a diamond. On the left, that's showing household income. The lighter the colors, the more people make. So the lighter colors on the top left, that's northwest D.C., that's where the Brookings Institution is. That's where I go to work at. On the bottom right, that's southeast D.C. If you look at the map on the right, that's by racial composition. 
The darker the colors are where black people live, the lighter colors are where white people live. You can basically take those maps and put them on top of each other. And what you'll see is that race and class are intricately linked with one another. And then we can go back 100 years and we see that hardly nothing has changed. This is a map from the early 1900s. Hardly nothing has changed. And that's because racial segregation is a fundamental problem and a root cause of how racism and classism operate in society. All right, let's continue. So that's the median annual income gap. Uh, next, we have the labor force participation rate gap. I don't know what that means. Oh, labor force participation. Okay, so people that are employed, I'm assuming. I don't see all of the above comparisons refer to gaps between white people and black people, according to the most recent. And, you know, the gaps between white and black isn't the full story. Because sometimes in these areas, the biggest gap is between black and Asians. Oh, that's a whole nother episode. But we'll we'll play the black-white game. But sometimes we got to look deeper than just black versus white. So we'll, we'll work with this. Lowest gap, Alaska, Kentucky, Hawaii, Arizona, Vermont. Highest gap, there's District of Columbia again. Next. Ask the experts. In order to provide further insight on how to promote equality and employment and wealth, Wallet Hub turns to a panel of experts. Click on the pictures of the experts below to read their bios and see the responses to the following key questions. So here are the four questions that they asked. What are the major causes of the racial wealth gaps in the United States? Number two, in your opinion, have we made any progress in closing the racial wealth gap in the economy? Number three, what policies and programs should policymakers implement to reduce economic disparities by race? That's a great question. Remember, we, we started off the episode talking about prudent questions. I like this. Number four, and evaluate. Remember, I have never seen this. For, I've seen 1% of the report. It was the first paragraph. I'm learning with you. Number four, and evaluating the state's economies with the most racial equality. What are the top five indicators one should focus on? I like that. All right. So we have John L. Campbell, class of 1925, professor of emeritus, Department of Sociology, Dartmouth College. Okay. Who else? Who are the people they brought? Wait, there's only one person? Oh, back to all experts. Oh, here we go. So who do we want to hear from? Well, I find this to be interesting. All the, all the experts on the wealth gap are non-Black, except for this gentleman, Daryl D. Green. Is there anybody else? Oh, boy. What did I? All right. So let's listen to Daryl D. Green. He, well, not listen, but let's read his. Daryl D. Green is a, uh, appears to be a Black American. DSL, Dixon Chair of Business, Dixon College of Business, Oklahoma Baptist University. All right. Let's see what he had to say. What are the major causes of racial wealth gaps in the United States? He says, and I'm not going to read everything. You can Check it out. I'm going to try to highlight some of the things. Racial wealth gaps in the United States have been the subject of much ongoing discussion. How does our country implement its fundamental pledge of the great American dream to all of its people? Of course, there are many ethnic groups in addition to Blacks who have suffered wealth inequalities, such as Native Americans and Latinos, but I will focus on wealth inequalities among Blacks. Well, see some figures down here. He says the report showed that the median household income for black people was 43,000% less than of white people. 
don't know if that percent is supposed to be there. Thus, there is a need for relevant, factual, actionable information. Next question. In your opinion, have we made any progress? Yes. The history of America is that we want to solve a specific problem. We do. For example, our society took care of our war veterans. Many white veterans took advantage of the programs. According to the 2020 study, the homeownership rate for Black families was about 44%. In evaluating the state's economies with the most racial equality, what are the top five indicators? He says home ownership, education, wages, financial investment, small business ownership. Achieving racial equality will not be easy for most minorities. Okay, so here's what I want to do. That's the only black person on the panel. I want to get that answer, that answer, that question to evaluating state economies with the most racial equality, whether the top five indicators one should focus on. I want to get that from the panel. So I'm going to skip the rest of their questions and I want to see what there's a common thread to these five. So now you know where I'm going. So if I were you, I would come over to Spotify uh, because I may not be doing a lot of talking. I'm just going to be looking. So let's look. John L. Campbell, let's see what he said his top five are. Where'd it go? What policy program should implement? Where'd it go? Was that it? Oh, not everybody asks, answers the same questions. Okay, so I can only get that an- number four answer is not going to be on everybody's answers. Okay, so let's find the people who answer that. So John D. Campbell did not give it. Well, they're not giving an answer for that. What policies or programs? Spencer Piston did not give that. David Skidmore. What policy? Mm. Oh boy. Oh boy. What policies evaluating the states? What are, oh, here we go. Top five indicators. All right. So this is from Kent Jones, professor of economics at Babson College. And they asked what are the top five indicators? He says the household net worth measure seems to be most relevant to what you are investigating. Other indicators of progress would be comparative current income measures trends in educational attainment, racial patterns, or professional employment. As noted at the beginning, I cannot speak based on expertise in this area, but only from what I've learned from others and how I view issues of income redistribution and best policy measures to achieve it. Wealth redistribution is much trickier and likely to take much longer. Okay. Uh, Herman Swartz, does he answer that question? Yeah, he does. Top five indicators. Given that the, oh, let me give him his props to where he's from. Herman Mark Schwartz is a professor of politics at the University of Virginia. And he says, given that the single largest cause of personal bankruptcy in the U.S. is medical debt, the most important indicator at the state level is whether Medicaid expansion under the Affordable Care Act has happened. That's a good answer. Second, access to reasonably good public education at all levels is important. Third, states that are trying to eliminate barriers to production of housing, particularly housing close to public transportation, will make it easier for households to save money. That's that's what he sees. Fair. All right. And we got one last person, Antonio Savaro. Did he answer? He did. Oh, let's give him his credits. He is a PhD, Associate Professor of Economics, Director Center for Study of Economics and Liberty, Stenson Hatcher School of Business, Merchant University. 
states or countries that have made important sustainable progress towards closing racial wealth gaps, I'm sorry, racial gaps, would be those that advance economic freedom and protection of civil and property rights for all without targeting specific groups. On the other hand, states or countries that use aggressive policies of affirmative action may reduce gaps in the short run, but the progress will not be sustainable in the long run. Societies and governments need to treat everybody equally without favoritism that try to cor- correct previous biases. This is what pays in terms of economic growth and improvements. Okay, so I want to address that statement. This is actually a really great answer, um, Antonio. Really great answer. Actually, I, I, I might have to reach out to Antonio, see if we can talk. Um, but I would, I would, if I had an opportunity to speak with Antonio, which I, 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 my gut is saying I might actually reach out to him. Societies and governments. Matter of fact, let's see if we can find him on LinkedIn, and I'll reach out. Okay. But my question is, society and governments need to treat everybody equally. I disagree. Equality is not going to get us there. Equity will. And I think him and I are going to need to have a conversation about that. I really love this answer. Love this answer. Antonio and I will need to have a conversation. All right. So let's get back to the full report. And let's see if there's anything more we need to know. Unemployment rate, homeownership rate, poverty gap rate. We'll see. All right. So homeless rate gap, D.C. is there. Look at this. The lowest gaps are Vermont, New Hampshire, Idaho, Wyoming, Oregon. Hmm. White folk. Right? (laughs) I don't mean to be. But when you think of Vermont, New Hampshire, Idaho, Wyoming, and Oregon, what do you think? Highest gap. Maryland. I think... I think Maryland is probably even. I don't know the exact numbers. Illinois, Georgia, New York, District of Columbia. Black folk. Right? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. I mean, New York obviously is a good mixture of people. And Maryland is probably, Illinois is probably a good mixture of people. But everybody else here is basically black folk. No? Just, Just me? I'm the only one seeing that? Okay. All right. Poverty rate gap. Uh, the lowest gap is Hawaii, Montana, Alaska, New Mexico, Texas. Highest gap, North Dakota, Minnesota, Maine, Iowa, Wisconsin. Okay. D.C. didn't make that list. Good job. Best state versus worst state. Five times difference. Oh, dang. District of Columbia versus North Dakota. Oh, home ownership rate gap. District of Columbia actually has the lowest gap. Well, there we go. So I wonder how that ended up last. Home ownership rate gap. Huh. This is almost seeing, I have to see what that study means. It's almost like this might be a bad thing to have a low gap. Huh. Unemployment rate gap. District of Columbia, right there. Labor, oh yeah, we did that one. So it, it has a really good study. I'll put the link in the uh, in the notes. They did a really good job you know, putting this together. They also did a YouTube video telling you to go check it out. So this is 2022 state economies with the most racial equality. June 14th, Adam McCann, financial writer. Here he is right here. Adam McCann is a personal finance writer for Wallet Hub, also helps produce Wallet Hub's weekly best and worst studies. 
That's his job. He does he does best and worst. Maybe I need to talk to Adam too. So my question is this as we head out. Why when I try to talk to people about what's really going on, why do they want the truth to be in the background? It's very disheartening. And this is this is just a small piece of what I deal with when I'm speaking with people. It's just a small, this is just a small sample. They don't want to address this. White, black, Asian, green. The reports are all out here. I mean, I could find reports every day and just bring them in. And you know what people would do? They would block me. People love the fantasy. Oh, I, I really wish I had that KRS-One clip. I'm going to try to find it before we head out. There's a KRS-One clip where he says people love the fantasy. KRS-One. People actually it was on my memory. If my memory is right, people love the fantasy. It's actually on Nick Cannon's Cannon, Cannon class. Let's see if this comes Man don't exist. Oh, he was on Cannon's class. Oh, we got to find that clip. If I can find that clip, that would be a great way for us to end the show today. Karis one Cannon's class. See if we can get a clip, not the full video. Full session is hour and 45 minutes. Who's our next black leader? This is a good clip. I don't know if this will be the one where he actually talks about people love the fantasy, but this is actually a pretty good clip. This is from Nick Cannon's Cannon class. So let's... And you ask yourself, with all this crime that has been going on and all of this, and go back to your question about these societies and so on, none of them is above nature. None of them. Mm. So as long as you know Nature, God, the universe, or should I say this? God, universe, nature. That's your gun. G-U-N, God, universe, nature. Mm. Remember that gun. I'm putting a weapon in your hand. God, God universe, universe nature. nature. That's the gun you fight back with. Wow. When you have that gun in your hand, nothing, nothing. They say, do, are, be, nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Now, how do I know this? Hip hop. Mm, bring it back. <laughs> 1970s, all these organizations was against us. Every last one of secret societies, societies we knew about. Right. Government agencies. FBI, ever, CIA. Every, imagine the entire. KKK. Like, yo, go back on this. <laughs> the entire strength of this colonial system was against our parents. All right. The entire, not just one agency. The entire. The entire government was against our parents that had nothing except one gun. God, the universe, Universe and and nature. nature. They defeated that government. The government you have now exists because our parents destroyed the last one. 
They're not, the, the enemy is never going to tell you when they lost. No, it's up to the winners to say to they write, won. To write the history. <laughs> right, the, the winners winners write history. We, we won. There was a war that went on from after the Civil War. In fact, the Civil War never ended. Never. But right after the Civil War on the battlefield. Reconstruction. Reconstruction jumped off. And I wouldn't even call it. I mean, that's just. Reassembilization. Uh, yeah, like, uh, you know what? Reconstruction is the word in history. <clears throat> Emancipation, procrastination. I mean, proclamation. <laughs> uh, that's also the word in history. <laughs> right. So we, we use these terms. But the point is, is that the war never ended. And our people are not fighters. The African, we, we're not that. Right? We're artists. Right. <laughs> we are, we're the nerds of the world. <laughs> like, could you imagine? We have so much power that we don't have to enforce it. We don't us. have to. We are the truth itself. Imagine, they're fighting against us just being. God don't fight. God don't have to. Ooh, so powerful. I do want to find the other one where they're talking about the fantasy. Oh, man. That's one of the best interviews. You know, I always respect. I always respect uh, KRS One. I remember I, I met a friend in the past. I said, "Who's your favorite rapper?" And she said, "KRS One." I said, "Wow, I have never heard anyone say that before." But you got to respect it. If you got KRS One in your top five, what can I? How can I argue that? I mean, I don't think he's in my top five. But as far as intelligence, I mean, how do you argue against KRS One? Let's see if we can find the one where he talks about the fantasy and the bag and the real. Let's see if we can find it real quick. If I can't find it, then I'll leave it alone, uh, Nick Cannon. But I'm going to try to find this. This is the thing yeah. that we all know we come from. Yeah, right. We can, we can form a nation. We can form a nation under that. About how leadership, how do we get together? Um, just to touch on universal law for a second, uh, whether it's uh, Hinduism, whether it's Buddhism. You're not going to, happiness is found in serving the state. That's right. Confucius. Happiness is found in the community. Right. Lao Tuts, no. Happiness is found in the mountains, uh, in the forest, away. Uh- mm. I would really love to find that clip. <laughs> I posted it back on Black Equity Network back in the day. So it, it is accessible. Maybe I'll save it for another episode. But this was a really great conversation on Candace Class. Here's a short, short video, and then we'll head out. I know we've taken up some of your time. Oh, here we go. Curious one talks about the bag. But this isn't from Nick Cannon's class. This is from another place. Maybe, what's in my bag? Oh, what's in my bag? Okay, that's something different. I don't think that's the same bag we're talking about. For just $67. In the other clip, he's saying specifically that the bag is in the fantasy. You know? Let's see what he's talking about here. Radio for front. He is younger than my mama. Open it up. You can tell they on some shit. Okay, he's just going through hip-hop stuff, which is, you know, still valuable. But that's not what I'm looking for. I'll have to find that clip. It's a great clip where Curious One is sitting there and he's telling you the bag is in fantasy. And I believe that the property kid, for him, the fantasy is, well, you know, 
black wealth in DC is such a beautiful thing, which it is. I mean, if you can be in DC, which is one of the toughest places to be to have wealth and have wealth, that means you, I mean, you gotta be really strong to do that. And I'm not disagreeing with that, but then let's also have the real conversation. Here's what I'll leave you with. Don't let anyone make you become the background actor of your own story. If you're not careful, man, they'll have you falling off the Titanic dying and no one even knew your name in a movie. And you're the real thing. Rose and Leonardo DiCaprio, that's not real. I mean, it's a fictional story. I mean, it's a fictional story based on a real story. That's what they do. And it just don't let anybody remember they were just talking about don't let any the winners write the the history books there are people out here writing they 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 history books but you got to step in and say no mm -mm, unacceptable you have to document it it's it's all right here for us to see i'll leave i'll leave with this oh man i'll leave with this I like to deal with the white man because you have identified him as the enemy historically up until recently. But what about a black man not to be able to be the man? Or the black judge giving you the dog on the center? Or the black lawyer fucking you over? You know how to say, That's the pro-off stuff. So they get them nickels to the pit. Or some old black Uncle Tom will continue talking shit about black people. So the whole takes a whole psychological vacuum to shut down the truth is by confusion. Because it's not the white man no more that's doing the most ridiculous thing. It's the black man, which they are counterfeit spirits. Or you can 